Some women get burned by the fire and some women rise from it. Welcome to the Born to Rise Society podcast with Laura Sanzo, where goddesses come to rise and go from survivor mode to creation mode. Are you ready, goddess? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Born to Rise Society podcast with your host, Laura Sanzo. I'm so excited. I'm going to be sitting down today with Corey Dixon. Corey is an actor, a mental health advocate, and an influencer. So welcome, Corey. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited because we're going to be airing this around the time that for us in Canada, it's Bell Let's Talk Time, which is really a day that really brings mental health to the forefront and really encourages people to tell their stories and just really start the dialogue, I would say. Um, so I'm really excited to go into that. Before I go into that, because Corey and I have been Facebook friends for a little while. This is the first time we're actually having a conversation. So who is Corey? So I'm an actor, influencer, mental health advocate from Ontario, Canada. I think like I love the entertainment industry because I've always had a passion for it. It's always been my blood. But at the same time, I've always wanted to be an advocate for mental health because I've battled with it most of my life and it's always been a part of me. So I felt like I had to address it and, you know, join the more, you know, gaining more awareness for mental health and continuing the conversation. Because as great as it is that we have, you know, Bell Let's Talk Day and Mental Health Month and Mental Health Week and all this sort of stuff, I think it's like a conversation that should be continued all the time. I don't think we should ever stop talking about mental health because I think it's big for us and it's important for our own health too. So I was going on your Instagram, I just mentioned to you, and I saw an anniversary post about an accident that happened five years ago that almost took your life. Can you just share a little bit about that and how that really changed how your life was going, but really how it has affected you now? Yeah. So five years ago, I had a pretty significant trauma. It was a cliff fall. I was hospitalized for a while. It was uh, a pretty traumatic incident. Um, I suffered a lot of very severe injuries, to name some ruptured aorta, spinal cord injury. They didn't believe I was going to be able to walk again. They were questioning if I was going to be able to walk again. And, you know, it was just a significant battle through hospitalization and just five different surgeries and still struggling till this day with, you know, some of the injuries that I had, unfortunately, because of that trauma, but still pushing on. That really, I mean, yes, I was suffering from mental health issues prior to with depression, anxiety, because I was severely bullied in high school. It was something that I struggled for a while. But then once that trauma happened, like I had to find all new ways to cope. And like, you know, I had to find the positivity in all this negative that was going on throughout my life during recovering from that trauma. And eventually I did, you know, it was about finding like just the tiniest of things that would make me happy. Like, you know, it was like having a nice warm shower when the PSW, you know, got me out of bed and took me to a shower. It's like I was stuck in a hospital, not being at home, you know, missing the tiniest of little things. And I just found like myself, you know, really enjoying small things like that, you know, like people coming to visit me, you know, just people just coming to say hello, like that got me like really happy and, you know, made me realize that maybe it's not just all about this, these big things. Maybe it's also about these, you know, really important small things too, that all of us take for granted. How old were you when you had that accident? I was 21 at the time. Oh, I am now So let's go back for a second. Cause you had mentioned that your mental health journey started in high school. So even though there may not be necessarily children in high school listening to this, there's that most definitely going to be parents of children in high school. And chances are one of them is going through what you went through. Can you tell us a little bit how that unfolded for you and what would be your advice to any parent that's going to listen to this who has, and this is hitting me personally, just because I have a son with autism. So he's super young. He's, he'll be 10, but 
you know, I know his life outside of our little house. It's not even going to be easy for him, especially when he gets into high school and elementary school. They're like, I think the kids are a little nicer. You know what I mean? There's a little bit more protection per se, where in high school is kind of like everybody for themselves, right? So if you could just touch on that. Yeah. So, I mean, bullying for me did start at high school because what happened was I was on a reality TV show. Or I'm going to say scripted reality TV show because it was technically scripted, but no one knew that at the time. And I wasn't allowed to say anything at the time. But that TV show like basically gave me this reputation of just like, you know, that's who Corey is. You know, that's so when I went back to high school after filming it, once it aired, I got so much hate from it and just like so much negativity. It was like basically over this song that we released during like the whole reality TV show. And it was a bad song. I'm not going to sit here and like sugarcoat it. It was a very bad song. It was a poorly produced song and I regret doing it. But at the same time, I don't because it's like it kind of taught me lessons along the way. Yeah. So like when I went back to school, things started out just with teasing, like just like simple name calling and stuff like that. And it was still hurt, you know, names still hurt. And I went through that, but then it got really bad when it turned physical. Like they started like really picking on me because they figured out like I wasn't giving in to the whole name calling and I wasn't telling anybody about it. I was acting like it wasn't hurting me when it was, but then it turned physical. Like I got like pushed into lockers and like, like I got like dragged outside physically and like beat up. And at that point, you know, I eventually, my parents found out and they, they made me transfer high schools. And it was like a fresh start for me. But yeah, no, I will say that when it comes to kids and bullying, it does affect their mental health greatly. I believe that the bullies, although I'm not defending what they do in terms of a bullying aspect, I do believe that they're also suffering through mental health issues. I think that, you know, I was kind of blind in a way because for my trauma, I used to do a lot of anti-bullying talks after high school. But one thing that I wasn't touching on was the mental health aspect. But if you flip the coin and look on the other side anti-bullying mental health they instantly connect because Mm -hmm. you know you've got the bullies who once again not condoning what they're doing in terms of bullying other kids but they're probably going through something at home whether that be them fighting with their parents or you know something going on that their parents aren't addressing and then you got the kids that are being bullied which that affects their mental health obviously as well so you kind of got two stones here that are you know that yes what the bullies are doing is really bad but their main problem I feel like isn't always being targeted, which mm-hmm. is mental health. So it all goes back to mental health, right? You hear a lot of anti-bullying talks in schools, but you don't hear too much about mental health, at least from like when I was in school. Like when I was in school, it was a lot about anti-bullying talks and not so much about mental health, but they're together. They really are. And that's really because bullying is, you know, somewhat learned or inherited almost. So then you have to kind of like generational see like how the parents were affected by mental health. And it's just kind of a, a monopoly effect. Okay, so we have that in high school, then you had your accident. So from your accident to now, what has your journey look like? Yeah, so like I was saying, with my accident, like in the hospital, I had very dark moment. It was, I seen a lot of death. There was a lot of death around me. There was a lot of negative stuff around me. There was fact that I was severely injured and there was a good possibility that I may not be able to walk again, which instantly would have affected greatly my, unfortunately, my acting career. And that was just such a hard hit to me right there and then. And it took me a while in hospital to be able to learn to love the little things, which is super important now. And I live by it every day now. And yeah, it's just that it was hard. And, you know, and since the trauma, like, you know, going through the recovery and then learning how to appreciate the smaller things and learning how to kind of re-educate myself and readjust myself to be like that was no easy step, but I was able to do it over time. You know, I got to give a shout out to 
you know, everybody that helped me throughout the entire hospital journey, because everybody down from the first responders to the surgeons, the doctors that saved my life, to the mental health crisis workers that worked with me in my hospital bed, to the, you know, the rehab workers for my spinal cord injury, every single one of them, they're godforsaken angels. And I appreciate them every day. And I try to stay in touch with some of them too. I would say now I have a lot more of a different view on life than if you would have asked me similar questions before my trauma. I think like now it's a lot like now is more like I enjoy like little things like I'll light candles and like, you know, I like the sense of candles. I'll light like a salt lamp because like, I think it's really pretty. Like, you know, like it's just very relaxing. Right. So like I found ways how to relax myself. I also, you know, knew that I needed further therapy. So I did have to go the private therapy route because group therapy didn't work for me because that's just the way I learned. I like to learn one-on-one. So I went through group therapy and I did both CBT and DBT therapy and found them both really successful. Personally, for me, I found DBT a lot more successful at the therapy that I worked with that. I found like we connected. I think that's a major part of therapy. I think that, you know, there's lots of therapists out there, but I think you need to find a therapist for you. And it's okay, you know, it's okay to say, you know, this therapist really isn't working out for me. I need to try somebody different because it's all really about that connection. Like just, you know, being able to speak to somebody and open up to somebody, it's not easy. Right. It took a while for me to find that right therapist, but I eventually did. And he was great and remained in touch and you know, I use a lot of like what I've learned through my own experiences and through other professionals to be able to help others, you know, I'll send out tweets with just simple, you know, mental health quotes and stuff like that to be able to try to encourage and inspire others. Because I think that the more we talk about mental health and the more we continue the conversation, the better off people will, you know, normalize mental health. So I feel like there's still a lot of people that, you know, are kind of skeptical almost about mental health in a way where they you know, for example, for me, like I've run into a couple of people that were hesitant to book me for a gig because of my depression and my anxiety. And I have to sit there and explain to them, no, like, listen, like, yeah, that's a part of me. Like I have depression, and anxiety, but I'm definitely not weak and I can just power right through it. Like, you know, give me the chance. Right. So I've really had to like push that and, you know, really push that and say, hey, like, I'm not weak. I may have the, you know, these issues going on, but, you know, I'm very open about, you know, talking about them and, uh, you know, I'm still me. <laughs> and I love that about you because you're so young and, you know, usually people your age, they're painting this lifestyle on social media that they have no worries and, you know, they're out there living their best life. And I want to talk about social media in a second. I love that about you because, you know, you take any platform that you can as an opportunity to speak to mental health. So that's amazing. You should be so proud of yourself. So let's talk social media for a second. Social media is obviously like, it's not going anywhere. There'll always be like a new platform and social media is just going to be existent, right? And it's great for your industry. It's great for so many industries, right? But obviously there's a dark side to social media, especially for people with mental health that, you know, they scroll and they play the comparison game and it can be very dark for some people. So what would be your advice to someone? Because I don't think just coming off social media is an answer. It might be an answer for like to take a short term break. I think everyone needs to take a break on social media, but I think people still need to be able to have boundaries with themselves on these platforms. Yep. No, I agree with you 100%. I say it till this day. I say, you know, like this thing I say all the time to people is, yes, there's a lot of good that comes out of social media in terms of like, you know, people raise money for charities. You know, it does help with people's careers. It helps them make some income, which is great. But there's also a lot of toxic sides to 
to social media. There is cyberbullying. There is, you know, it, and just looking at negative news on your newsfeed is enough to send you spiraling, right? And people don't always consider this, right? But the thing is, that is the truth is that there's both a good and bad to social media, just like anything. There's a good to bad to basically everything. But like what I would say is if you need a social media break, take it. Because I've done it numerous times and I say, you know what, if you need to get off social media, sometimes it's hard to do, but do it. In terms of the cyberbullying stuff, I always tell people, if you have nothing nice to say, then don't say it at all. In terms of like the constructive criticism side of things, if you're going to give criticism to somebody, do it in a way where, yeah, it's constructive, but don't personally attack them on social media. Don't sit there and say, oh, like, this is a terrible song. You're a loser. Like, no, like if you want to give them feedback on their music or if they're trying to produce something or if they're trying to make a film, then comment that or like, don't even bother commenting it. Just send them a direct inbox saying, hey, I watched your recent clip. I have this for advice. That would help them out extraordinarily. Don't sit there and, you know, bash them on comments and stuff like that. Cause that's just going to mess with their mental health. And then you're going to send them spiraling, which isn't fair to them. Right. So you're very right about social media. And I stand by that too. If you need a break, take it. And in terms of, you know, cyberbullying, don't do it. <laughs> like don't like bully somebody on social media. It's not nice. I think it's important to like, know that it's okay to unfollow people. Yep. I do it all the time. And it's not that I don't like them any less or you know it's just we just don't share the same values necessarily and so like when I open up my feeds I want to know that it's consistent messaging with all the people and it's people that share my values and are either inspiring me or gonna make my day better by something that they're posting yeah so we're obviously living in COVID time. So we had started to talk about this before we started to record. It's been hard for everybody. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are in the world. I know where Corey and I live right now, we actually tonight are starting a state of emergency or stay at home. I'm not sure the exact terminology, but reality, you shouldn't be leaving your house unless for essential and work purposes. That's hard on people. Yeah, it is. I would say that is the lockdown necessary? You know, Having friends that work in the healthcare system, I would say at this point, seeing the way numbers are rising, I think it technically is because if you look at the states, they didn't lock down in time and they went into a huge crisis. Ontario is trying to avoid that crisis and I understand what they're trying to do with the lockdown. In terms of the mental health aspect though, it's going to crush people and that's just the reality of it. I know that people aren't going to be able to see their boyfriends and girlfriends because they're in two separate living quarters. I know that families are now not going to be able to see each other because they're not in the same living quarters. It's going to be really hard on a lot of people. And the the only thing that I'm sitting here thinking is, okay, like for me personally, I'm like, what can I do to keep occupying my mind during this time? Because I'm now alone and like I need to occupy my mind. I'm constantly creating content right now, like from my Instagram and social media, just to keep engaging because I don't want to lose focus of that at all. But at the same time, it's like there's certain people that I now can't see because of the next emergency lockdown here. And the one thing I hope is that there is going to be an extreme amount of financing towards mental health services after this is all over, because I think that COVID-19 is going to, and we're already seeing it. I saw it on the news today that that I usually don't watch the news. It just happened to pop up on my feed, but there was a doctor that committed suicide due to Mm. everything that's going on with COVID. And it's like, this is going to get worse now because now you have more people that are locked at home, not able to go out, not able to do anything. You've got people whose anxiety is now through the roof. Because, you know, cases are through the roof, right? And unfortunately, you have the people that don't believe COVID's real. I'm sorry, but I'm on the side where, yeah, COVID is real. And I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, 
where my evidence is, but I'm going to sit here and say it's real and I have healthcare, family and friends and I'm well aware of what's going on in the system. It's messed up right now. And yeah, I just, anyone that says like, it's like not real, like I just kind of separate myself from. It's funny, 2020 almost brought out the expert in the un- actual expert in like everything from like disease to masking it's just everybody became an expert in 2020 yeah absolutely (laughs) i don't know (laughs) yeah no i do think that like in terms of mental health i really do hope that there's extended services after this is all over because we're gonna need it if your mental health's not great then you're not gonna be great like in terms of you're not gonna be able to focus you know and you know i feel so sorry too for like everyone that owns small businesses and stuff because you know a lot of these small businesses that are closed right now are family owned yeah my my family owns a business they now have to close it and they're now on complete government funding so like it's a very rough time i didn't think i'd ever see any of this in my lifetime i was like you know maybe 100 years from now sure I never thought I was going to see anything like this in my lifetime. And well, here we are. It's funny because my grandfather, who's in his late 80s, who fought in wars or lived through wars, like this is more like in the first wave, but first, hey, he like he just watched TV, like especially like in Italy when it first like because Italy got hit so hard in the beginning. And he would just like not even believe that this was happening. And so it's funny to see the contrast even between the different generations. But I think it's really important for people to be able to say that they're not okay. Like something as simple as that. And I, it's mostly women that are going to listen to this. And I just saw an article today that women are going to take the hardest hit because they are ten- they are the ones that tend to like stay at home with the kids and sacrifice their careers and their work and, and that kind of thing. So I think it's really important for people, regardless of who you are in your age and season, is to just let people know that you're not okay like it's okay not to be okay yeah of course and i think the same thing see like when it comes to like genderizing mental health i personally like don't believe in doing that just because it's like there's a lot of guys a lot of guys that won't talk about their mental health because and i was one of those guys and i've got lots of guys who are friends who are doing the same thing yeah who don't want to stand up and say that they're weak they don't want to stand up and say that they are currently struggling and a lot of guys will shelter it in and then their mental health goes to absolute hell. The one thing I like to remind people, you are not weak if you stand up and say you have mental health issues. You are extremely strong for standing up and saying, hey, I need help. And thirdly, you are going to better yourself for standing up and saying, I need help and pursuing to get the help. So like in terms of like, you know, saying like this person has more mental health issues than this person, it's kind of like, I don't really stand by that because it's like everyone struggles with mental health issues. I don't think it should be like, you got worse, you got it worse, you got it worse. I think it's like, we need to focus on mental health as a whole and not consider like, and basically treat mental health the same way you would treat it in a girl as you would a guy. And on on that note, I want to bring this up just because last year, this was even before COVID, I started to really experience fight or flight, which I had in in my life. And I'm in my early fours. It was the first time I started to really experience fight or flight. My nervous system was like shot and panic. And I think a lot of people, they really don't understand the physical aspects of mental health and mental mental illness. I think people just think it's something like just go for a walk or just meditate. And those things are amazing. But people, unless they've experienced it, they really don't understand the physical aspects of mental health. And so as easy it is to say to, you know, get grounded and all these amazing practices that I tell people to do. It's another thing when you're experiencing those feelings. And then at the same time, you have physical symptoms to, to have to deal with as well. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I do also have panic attacks. I've suffered with them for a while. The dangerous thing about my panic attacks is I do have a diagnosed cardiac condition. So I have an arrhythmia with my heart. So anytime I get my heart super fast, it can be shot into that rhythm and it can cause me some very serious physical issues and I need to go to the ER. So you're right about that. People don't look at mental health all the time as a physical issue, but I, it definitely is. And it causes multiple symptoms. People don't know this, but you can get very nauseated from having an anxiety attack and you can end up throwing up and think it's a bug or a flu bug, but it's actually your anxiety. I struggled with that the first few times that I was having panic attacks. I um, thought it was a bug and I was consistently throwing up and it wasn't pleasant. And then I was given, you know, a pill to like calm myself down in the ER and it just stopped. And I'm like, wait, I no longer feel nauseated. I'm like, okay, maybe this indeed my mental health and I need to get further help for this. And you know, the thing too, like I absolutely hate taking mental health medication. I do. I'm on medication for both anxiety and depression. I just don't like popping pills personally, but at the end of the day, it's like, I know they help me. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I would never tell someone, no, don't get on medication. That's a bad idea. I would say if you need medication, unfortunately, like that's your life, right? You need medication. It's And once again, it's not something to be ashamed of and you may not like it, but in the end, it could very well help at least give you that borderline of like stabilization. But at the end of the day, it's like with mental health, it's all comes down to like your coping methods. And I tell people this all the time. I'm like, it comes down to healthy coping methods. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't rely on drugs. Don't turn to alcohol, you know, focus on healthy ways on how to cope because everybody's coping method is different. And it's a matter of like trying to find that and get settled with that because it's not easy by any means. Like here I am talking about it, but it took me a while to find my coping methods. Can you give us a couple of examples? Yeah. I mean, it's different for everybody, right? So me giving examples, it very well may not help somebody else out. But at the end of the day, like with me, like I, like I said, I I like candles, you know, I find like turning on salt lamps and stuff like that, like pretty relaxing. You'll see I got mood lighting in my condo. Like, you know, I watch very like calming movies. I listen to calming music. I have nice warm, hot showers or nice hot baths. Like that helps, right? You know, you don't watch the news. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't watch the news. I'm going to be honest. Like any time that I've gotten news related stuff has been like simply from going on my social media, which to be honest with you, I only go on social media mostly just to post and sometimes to engage with my supporters and stuff. Because I have a lot of supporters that follow me that are struggling with mental health issues. So it's like, I'm almost like, I'm not going to say therapist, I'm not therapist. But like, you know, it's like, they like talking to me because when I talk back to them, it's like I'm their friend, right? So I think that's very important. And I continue to do that. But every time I go on my newsfeed, it's like just negative, negative, negative. And sometimes I'm not even following a news station account, but yet here it is on my newsfeed. And it's like, I didn't want to see that, (laughs) you know? But um, yeah, like the... There's just a couple methods for me, but like I said, everybody is different. You know, people find going on walks calming and stuff like that. I've gone on the odd walk, but personally for me, that's not something that's extremely helpful for me personally. You know, I, I do like talking, staying in touch with my friends, like over the phone, like, you know, following up with them. One thing I find enjoyment in doing is I like texting people to follow up and say, hey, how are you doing today? Like I make sure people are okay because I just feel like if I'm not making someone smile at least once a day then I'm not really doing my job here on earth. And I've said that in like one of my videos on YouTube just recently, but it's true. I genuinely like helping other people. And if I'm not doing that to someone at least once a day and helping them at least once a day, then I just feel like 
I'm a waste because like, yeah, here I am doing all this entertainment stuff, which is a lot of fun. And I have a huge passion for it. But like ever since my trauma, it's like I'm alive. I should have died five years ago. So what am I going to do now to make things different, right? That's such a powerful message for people that have mental health issues and people that don't like just to appreciate the little things in life because we take it so for granted. Absolutely. So you say acting has really been a way to express yourself. So has that been almost like a therapeutic, you would say, avenue for you? Yeah, see, here, so I love playing different character roles. Like, I love it because, like, it's like every time you go on set, it's like a completely different character and, like, it's, it's so much fun to play. But another thing, too, is, like, I love being on sets to, like, engage with other people, you know? So, like, it's just a passion of mine. It's, it's like when you have, like, a love for music and you love playing an instrument, it's no different with acting. It's like, you know, you're sitting there and you're, you've got a passion for being on set. You got a passion for being in front of that camera and, you know, nailing that script and, you know, driving yourself and pushing yourself to be this character that you're actually not. Right. And it's, but yeah, like it, it's just a huge passion. And, you know, just when you're living your passion and doing your passion, not even necessarily at a huge scale, but if you're just like content creating and that's like what you love doing, then like, that should give you that part to be like, hey, like, I feel good, you know, and it gives you that bit of enjoyment that everyone needs in life. And you're serving others at the same time as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So I saw that you're a community responder with Pure Paramedics, which is so cool. I thought that was so cool. So that's just another avenue for you to, to serve people is really what you love to do, right? So how did that come to be? Yeah. So like after my trauma, after I was a little more recovered, I wanted to, yes, do a lot with the mental health aspect of things. But at the same time, I was like, I love how like first responders, they get on scene and they help someone out. And like, you know, sometimes the person makes it, sometimes they don't, which unfortunately when the person doesn't make it, it's, it's a hard toll on your mental health for sure. But I went ahead and I actually had them literally sitting above my desk here. I literally went and got my standard first aid and CPR through Canadian Red Cross and my HCP level, which is like your base level like of CPR. And I was like, hmm, more interested. So I went ahead and studied like, you know, volunteer like event medical stuff, right? And I did that. So I got my, I was through Red Cross. I did a first responder and EMR, what they call emergency medical responder course, where you're like, after you graduate from getting your EMR, it essentially is like an 80 hour course, roughly. You get like, uh, you know, your certifications to do like event medical and you can now administer like oxygen and like stuff like that. So I successfully did that and got that. And then I was like, hmm. So I went to do the event medical and I experienced a lot. There's a lot of scenes that I wish I would have never seen. I've seen some pretty graphic stuff. But at the same time, it was almost like I saw a lot of really bad stuff in hospital while recovering too. Right. right? So it's almost like it's weird because like, yeah, it gets you a little, your adrenaline pumping. Mm-hmm. But it's like after you learn medical like that, you're like, I want to use it for good. And that's the instant thought that comes in your head. So when you're on a scene, it's like you're, you know, you're able to help the person the best you can, right? In terms of the Peel Regional Paramedic Services Community Responder Program, that was a program they literally just launched, like I think it was like last year, like recently. It's a new, new program. And essentially what it is, is just that, like other healthcare officials, off-duty like EMR stuff like that, people that aren't currently doing event medical, who basically we have an app on our phone and we get dinged to like the nearest like cardiac arrest call or critical call. And then we go to it. As of right now, since of COVID though, they have put the community responder program on a complete hold because they don't want obviously all their community responders to get sick. So that program is unfortunately on hold, but at the end of the day, it is an amazing 
program. I can tell you, I don't know the exact percentage, but I can tell you right now that there's already been lives saved with this new program that Peel Regional Paramedics has put together. And I was a part of their like educational video too, which was a great opportunity. They're a great team over at Peel Regional Paramedics. And I'm so like happy and thankful to like be a part of it. And I can't wait for it to kick back up again once COVID's done. That's incredible. So what would be your message to anybody that's going to listen to this that, you know, may not be feeling right, maybe thinking that something is off for them, but they just haven't really ever talked about it before? Listen, I think talking about things is key. I think if you don't get things off your chest, then you are going to end up bottling that stuff up. Even if you believe that, you know, taking a drink of alcohol, which is once you're not extremely healthy for you, a glass of wine, sure, but you don't want to continuously be drinking. But, you know, like just going for a walk and completely ignoring those thoughts, it's eventually going to catch up with you and you're going to have that final break. And at the end of the day, it's like, it's so important to talk about it. And, you know, unfortunately, like there's different ways everybody learns and copes. Like I was saying, for me, like I said, I learned one-on-one. So for me, the best therapy that I got was through a one-on-one therapist, but not everyone can afford a one-on-one therapist. As a matter of fact, I was scrounging in my savings jar with change to pay for a therapy session once, but I knew I needed it. And it's like, you know, you kind of have to almost invest in yourself to be like, Hey, like I need help, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, it's like, this is really bugging me. This is in my chest. This is in my head. I need to really see somebody and professionally and address this. So I think like really addressing it and bringing it to somebody's a professional's attention is huge. And, you know, if you want to talk about it with your loved ones and everything, go right ahead. If, you know, if that's what you want to do as well, but remember that like other people are battling mental health issues as well. And then on top of that, you may run into the person, like your friend or whatever, that may not fully understand mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And then by talking to them, no, it's not a complete waste because you're getting that off your chest, but they might come back with a response that you may not like, and it may make your mental health even worse. So it's kind of like, yes, you should really talk about it. Start with like a crisis line or whatever, and then kind of, you know, go from there, but definitely talk about it. Don't bottle it up. Trust me, I've been there, done that. It is the worst thing for your health. And it's only going to bottle up to the point where you are going to break. Like you're going to get to the extent where you're going to feel really broken inside. And if I manifest into physical, into something physical as well. Exactly. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's when unfortunately suicide attempts even come into play. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to lie. I have attempted suicide. It's happened. I've learned a lot since then, but you know, it has happened. I have gotten down that dark path and, you know, it took me a while to get back, but here I am. Right. So that's one message to people is don't bottle up and don't treat mental health. Like it's a bad thing. Your mental health is the most important thing there probably is next to your physical health. And, you know, you need to focus on it. And if you realize that there's something up, you need to address it. So value my message to people. And I know it's a lot easier said than done to talk about it, but you do have to talk about it. It is super important to do that. Yeah, definitely. I think we live in a society that's like such a go, go, go that I don't even think people take time to even process their feelings sometimes. It's just, they're just in this constant cycle that sometimes that's why I think it just hits them. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I love that like having therapists now is like so mainstream. Like you even have celebrities doing like pieces saying that like they've been talking to their fists and, you know, so I, I love that I'm talking about like celebrities with huge followings as well and that have a huge brand. So that, that makes a huge difference. So is there anything that is coming to you that you feel that you're being called to share 
with everyone that's listening before we come oh to God. an end? I think we've like covered a lot, which I'm so thankful once again for you having me on and you know talking to me about this. I, I like I really love genuinely talking about mental health and using any sort of advice and tips I can give to help other people. It, you know, it's, it's something that I really stand for. But yeah, you know what? Just, you know, keep being you. Live your passions. Even if it's small, you know, buy a cheap camera and start doing content creation if you love doing that. Like, it doesn't have to be expensive gear. You know, it's, it's all about what you want to do in life. And you need to feel comfortable with yourself, too. Like, you know, you need to, like they say, you need to love yourself. And it took me forever to be able to do that. But you know what? Here I am happily talking about my story and about, you know, mental uh-huh. health. Hopefully this story and hopefully what I've said tonight helps somebody, at least one person. I love that on self-love because we're always so busy trying to give other people love and make sure that other people are okay, that we just kind of forget about ourselves. Yeah, that exists. That definitely exists. About that. I'm going to put everything in the show notes, but can you just let everybody know where they can find you in terms of the social media platforms and what can we expect from you this year? Yeah, absolutely. So my Twitter and Instagram are the same handle. It's Corey Dixon 33. My Facebook is just Corey Dixon. I have an ad as friend account. And I also have my fan page as well. And most people follow me on my fan page. And what's coming up for this year? I can tell you right now that I am working on a couple of projects that I can't currently talk about right now because we're because of COVID and we're changing some things in regards to the projects. But there's some more acting stuff coming from yours truly here. And then also something different is I decided that I love music. I used to be in a choir in elementary school and I wanted to kind of maybe step back into it. So I've currently been getting vocal lessons from the amazing Michael Hansen, who was formerly with Glass Tiger and he's got like five Junos, Grammy nominated. And we are currently working on a song based on mental health, entirely based Uh on mental health. And we both agreed that if any money comes from the song, all will be donated to uh, mental health charities. So that's the mission with that. I don't have an exact release date for the song yet. We're still uh, working on it. And due to COVID, it's been hard to get into the studio. But there's a lot of stuff that I am working on. And I can't wait to share it with all of you. And yeah, I want to thank each and every person that watches this and everybody that's been supporting me along the way. You have no idea how much your support means to me. Every little like, hey, Corey, how you doing? Every little heart on a comment, like every little thing like that means so much to me. So thank you for the continued support. And you know, anything I can do to help the community, I am here. Before I let you go, a quick question. In addition, obviously, to following you, is there any accounts that you suggest people follow in terms of mental health awareness, whether it be in Canada or outside of Canada, or even like numbers people could call? Yeah. So I mean, I only know of majority of in Canada charities that I've partnered with, but I would say that for me, you know, accounts like Sick Not Weak, Jack.org for the youth, CAMH, great mental health mm-hmm. charity hospital as well. They do great work over there. Canadian Mental Health Association, huge. They do great stuff as well. And there's even, you know, there's there's smaller foundations as well that do some great work. So there is a lot of foundations and organizations out there that help raise the awareness. And honestly, like there's so many, I, I can't list them all. There's crisis numbers. The one that I have used in the past, it's still saved on my phone. It's crisis support. The number is 905-278-9036. I'm not sure if it's just a local crisis number, but that's the one that I personally use. Uh, there's obviously kids help phone. And there's so many crisis numbers out there that that can be very helpful when you're in crisis. And yeah, shout out to my personal therapist as well, because he's helped out a lot. 
Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, Corey. This was amazing. And I know you are going to just help so many people. Yeah, thank you so much. And people like yourself that give a platform for people like myself to speak about mental health openly and stuff like that is a huge thing as well. So thank you for all you do. And I wish you all the best. Thank you. You're going to make me blush. (laughs) Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. Remember to share this episode with the goddess that is ready to rise. 